I was hiking with my mom in Arizona on a really hot day using a water bottle that looked like a camping accessory. And I literally had one of those aha moments. And I thought that business idea that I've been looking for for so long is actually right in front of me. I'm just going to get started. So fast forward eight years and that's how Swell got born. From Politico, this is Women Rule, where we bring you real talk with women bosses. I'm Anna Palmer, senior Washington correspondent and co-author of the Politico Playbook. That was Sarah Kaus, founder and CEO of Swell, the company that makes the fashion-forward stainless steel water bottles you've seen everywhere. Kaus launched Swell in 2010, billing her water bottles as the first quote-unquote hydration accessory. And the company was an instant hit. In 2013, Swell's revenue clocked in at $10 million. In 2016, it was $100 million. Now, they're a global brand with customers in at least 66 countries, and it keeps on growing. Before she started the company, Kaus had a firm grounding in the business world. She worked in accounting for the firm Ernst & Young, and she had received her MBA from Harvard's Business School. But when she started Swell... Kyle said she wasn't sure how much other people would care about it. And when I came up with the idea of Swell, I don't really think I realized how big the market would be, but I really just thought I was solving that need for myself as the customer. We talked with her about Swell's origin story, how the company got its name, and how she first learned to ask for help, and where she and the company are going from here. Stay tuned for our interview with Sarah Kaus. On the podcast we'll be bringing you real talk with women bosses. Asking how did you make it and what advice would you give a woman looking to leave? If you're a fan of the show, please subscribe to Women Rule on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us and leave a review. And please share our episodes on social media and follow me on Twitter at DC. You can also join the Women Rule community by texting WOMEN to 66866. Women Rule is produced by Politico in partnership with our founding partners, Google and the Tory Burch Foundation. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. We are catching you at a small business summit in D.C., so welcome to our fair city. Thank you. Thanks for asking me. So talk to us a little bit about Swell. How did you come up with it? Obviously, we've all had water out of one, but, you know, Several years ago, this was kind of something that just you came up with as your own idea. I did. You know, so I thought about the business really as me as the customer. So I personally wanted a better looking water bottle. I wanted something that gave back to a charity and was mission driven, but it had to be beautiful. It couldn't drip on the inside of my bag. And most importantly, it had to keep my water cold for a really long time. So I was hiking with my mom in Arizona on a really hot day using a water bottle that looked like a camping accessory. And I literally had one of those aha moments and I thought, that business idea that I've been looking for for so long is actually right in front of me. I'm just going to get started. So fast forward eight years, and that's how Swell got born. <laughs> Here you are, yeah. a successful self-made woman with a very large company. How did you come up with the name? We were talking about it before uh, with some of the producers about the Swell with the apostrophe. What does it mean? That's a great question. So Swell has lots of names. You know, it's a groundswell of people coming together, you know, in our case, trying to eliminate single-use plastic. But there's also something old-fashioned about the name Swell. You know, it's it's something that's a bit nostalgic. You know, drinking tap water is a bit nostalgic, not drinking, you know, the newest, greatest thing um, that comes in a plastic bottle, but really just kind of getting back to basics. I wanted something that was positive, like a happy connotation. Um, and then also just kind of like the the small idea that the, the word swell makes you think of something like the ocean 
or even has the word well in it, and we build wells and water and sanitation for people through through UNICEF. Um, but the funny thing about the word swell and the name swell is um, the lawyers wouldn't let me have it in the beginning because they said it was too close to the idea of water. So the apostrophe had to go into the word. And it, it wow. really changed from a word to a logo type. Um, mm-hmm. So that seems like a very simple solution, but that took <laughs> many months and many billable hours <laughs> with attorneys. <laughs> but I have to say, I think the water droplet really gives it a little something special. Yeah, you came out on the other end of this very well. <laughs> yeah, so I, I was really hooked on the name as soon as as soon as soon I heard it. So I was a bit determined to make it work. So you... We're ahead of the curve a bit in terms of this whole reusable water and not just taking, you know, uh, water from bottles and plastic and all that stuff. Have you always been into the environment or is that something that came after? I've always been a bit of an environmentalist. I'm growing up in South Florida. My dad was the first one on our street that had the recycling box. In fact, they didn't even pick up recycling back then. We had to take it down to the local dump in um, every Saturday. So it was kind of a big deal in our house to make sure that we were leaving as small of a footprint as we could. You know, fast forward to when I went to college, I went to the University of Colorado at Boulder, which was a very environmentally friendly school. And one of the things that they asked every student to do was to sign a pledge not to use styrofoam cups. So at the time, our our mascot was Ralphie the Buffalo. Every student was issued this giant plastic cup with Ralphie, a buffalo on it. And, you know, as an undergrad in Boulder, it's totally fine to have a backpack, a carabiner, and a buffalo mug. Um, That's not so cool when you start your first job and you want to be taken seriously. You know, in my case, I was working at EY and I was carrying a briefcase and wearing a black suit. So my my mug turned into a bottle, but just my bottle never really fit my lifestyle. But I have to say, I think I was always an environmentalist. I wouldn't say I was a tree hugger, but I was definitely medium green, if not dark green. <laughs> I like that, the colors and the color gradation. So talk to us. I mean, you, as you said, you started out much more traditional workplace mm-hmm. environment, consulting, tax auditing, real estate. Did you always have the entrepreneurial bug or did that come from the this idea? You know, I think I always had the entrepreneurial bug. I don't know that I always had the confidence that the ideas I was coming up with at the time were that great of an idea. I mean, I grew up with entrepreneurial parents. My parents ran their own businesses when I was small. I even worked in one when I was in high school. (laughs) I, I was around small business. And so I wasn't afraid of starting my business. I think I was just more afraid of coming up with that big idea that was going to be such a game changer. And, you know, after many years of working in other people's businesses, I was really searching for something to do myself, but I always thought it needed to be something a bit bigger. And when I came up with the idea of Swell, I don't really think I realized how big the market would be, but I really just thought I was solving that need for myself as the customer. When you came up with the idea, you had that aha moment that you talked about, Walk us through a little bit the process, though. I mean, there had to be some lean times. You started this business with you know thirty thousand dollars of your own money. Were there times when you know you didn't know if it was going to be going where you were going to going to be able to make it? Sure. So I hired um, an accountant to come and set up my first QuickBooks file, and he said to me, "Give me all the statements." 
And I said, okay, here's all the statements. And he goes, no, 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 all the statements. I need to put all of your bank balances into your file here for your accounting system. I said, no, 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 that's, that is the balance that I have in the bank right now. <laughs> and I still remember we were sitting at my kitchen table and he said, well, how much is the rent on this apartment? I said, well, it's a little more than I have in the bank. However, I have all of this inventory <laughs> and I have a month to sell it before the rent is due. So it's going to be fine. So there were definitely some lean times in there. I mean, everything that I had put in my original budget and my original spreadsheet, you know, turned out to be more expensive. I mean, there are entire categories of things that I, I forgot about or just didn't know wholesale to go on there. Um, but it really did put a fire inside of me that I had to be successful because I really was getting scrappy there at the beginning. Um, I didn't love sales, but I became a salesperson really in those early days because I needed to sell the product to turn it back into revenue, to turn it into new products. How did you get the confidence to do the selling? Did Has, it, has your pitch, I assume, evolved over time? But kind of walk us through, were there hard pitches that maybe didn't go as well as you'd hoped? Uh, sure. I mean, I, I wrote the list of, of original customers, and I thought it would be a lot easier. You know, one of uh, one of the things I wanted to do with Swell was to be a luxury product. So I wanted to be in the high fashion stores to convert the non-converted. So I didn't want to be with other water bottles on the shelf, but I wanted to be next to scarves and sweaters and handbags for people to think about it differently. So um, I was living in New York at the time, and I really wanted to land Bloomingdale's as a customer. And Bloomingdale said, no way, we don't sell water bottles. So it took me almost two years to convince them that we were not a water bottle. We were a hydration fashion accessory, that we were just as fashionable with our colors and our patterns as the next it thing that was coming out. But in that time, while I was waiting for Bloomingdale's to finally get to yes, and they're one of our great customers now, um, I really did refine my pitch. I had to go in and out of lots of independent specialty stores. The first year I went to 17 trade shows myself and stood in a small booth and just kept telling the story over and over again. And um, I think I was dreaming about water bottles at the time, (laughs) but it really helped me because it was a bit of a feedback loop with small businesses and independent stores and hearing their questions, hearing their concerns. They would ask me questions about um, price point and packaging and colors and lead times and things I hadn't really worked out. So I think by not landing those big customers in the early days, it gave me a safe place to make all those mistakes. When we talk to a lot of women entrepreneurs as part of Women Rule, many find it's kind of hard to ask for help. Just as, as women in general, we have a hard time saying we can't just do it all ourselves. You grew this business out of your apartment. Um, How did you ask for help? How did you use your network in these kind of times when Bloomingdale's and other people were saying no? That's a great question. I'm nodding as as you're asking the question. I did have a hard time asking for help in the beginning because I was used to working in big organizations and I was used to being a bit of a perfectionist. And so I didn't want to ask for help until I had things a little bit nailed down. I didn't want to walk into, you know, friends or even people that I was just networking and say, wow, I have this huge challenge, this big problem. How am I going to fix it? I, it took me a while to be comfortable with imperfection and to really tell people, these are the things I'm really struggling with. How did you do this in your business? Or can you come over and help me figure this out? And sort of something really had to click for me to kind of make a pivot to ask for help. I mean, the early days, I, when I had no budget for anything, I would have girlfriends come over and have a, you know, 
a wine and, you know, pizza party to actually put all the stickers on all the products to get them out to, you know, Crate and Barrel and a big account. But I also had to ask, you know, my my friends and family members to be models in my first catalog because I didn't have a model budget. Um, but to fast forward through real big challenges, you know, trying to get set up at big customers, I would have to pick up the phone and call people I didn't know and say, hi, I'm Sarah. I'm running this water bottle company. Do you have 10 or 15 minutes that I could ask you, you know, how to do this huge challenging thing? And I, I got some no's. I got some people saying that they were too busy. But I, for the most part, I had people saying, you know, I remember when I was in your shoes. Let me help you figure this out. There's this resource. There's this website. There's this thing to do. But for me personally, it was really hard to ask that first time, those first times, because I was so used to wanting everything buttoned up and for the outside world to think I had it all together and just completely perfect when really internally it was a bit of a, you know, a, a havoc train. Have you, I mean, you're at a conference for small businesses now. Do you try to pay that forward? Just, you know, kind of trying to do the goodwill, answer the phone, take five minutes that you probably don't have to help others out? I do. I try to make as much time as I possibly can for other small businesses because I do remember being in those shoes. Um, Even if I don't have time myself, I find that there's a number of people on the Swell team that are just as willing to be mentors and coaches. So if someone comes to me with a question about media or social media, I could answer the question. But I actually think that the members of my team that are closer to that functional area, first of all, they're fresher on their their knowledge because they're doing it day to day. But they also like the thought that they're contributing and giving something back too. So sometimes I, I do answer those calls myself. And sometimes I try to share the love with the team members. What about entrepreneurship for you in terms of the day never ends, right? You're not working nine to five. You're not working nine to seven. What do you think is it? Are you just, were that determined or what's the drive that kept you going? I think some of it was being determined and some of it was just being fearful, (laughs) you know, because I did, I did walk away from a pretty successful job and career and I did start swell in a pretty public way. We did get a fair amount of press in the early days. And I really was confident that it was going to win and it was going to work. But I was also really afraid that it wasn't going to work. And so I think that the the sort of um, determination slash fear really kept me going, that I wanted to make sure that I was smart enough and clever enough and certainly working hard to you know anticipate those challenges that were coming. And when those challenges just came out of the blue that I didn't anticipate, really trying to be creative enough to turn that challenge into something successful. So I think it was just a little bit of drive and a lot of uh, <laughs> hard work that kind of got me here. Yeah. Talk about, I mean, you had some big moments, like you said. I mean, I think Oprah decided to feature your the bottle. What was that like? Was there some breakthroughs that really kind of propelled swell beyond maybe even your wildest dreams? Oh, sure. I mean, so I was doing PR in the beginning when I was the only customer for the, or excuse me, the only employee for the first few years. Um, so I, we were very lucky um, that Oprah's Magazine did, did feature us. But there's another part of the story that I sent out 100 bottles to all of the magazines with a handwritten note and said, please, I'm Sarah, this is, this is swell, and you want to feature it. And so there was a lot of hustle to really make those moments happen. But at the same time, I realized how very fortunate I was that you know, either press and, and, and magazines were willing to, to place us, but also that you know, large customers were willing to give us a chance. And I'm, we're in a lot of Starbucks stores today, but we started out pretty humble and pretty small and just 
two markets as a test. And then I had the opportunity to meet Howard Schultz and pretty much give him the shakedown and say, listen, we're selling out of the few stores that we're in right now. I really think we need to sit down and talk about doing a bigger business together. So part of it was, you know, me having the drive on one side and being willing to to really ask for the business. But then part of it was the the world really had to be receptive to the opportunity of selling swell too. So I would say it's really a both sides. You work a lot with manufacturers, developing things, a pretty male-dominated industry. Have you faced issues with, you know, businessmen who maybe aren't used to dealing with a woman or weren't taking you seriously? And how have you kind of come, overcome those things? I mean, sure. I, I think everybody has dealt with that in their own ways. Um, I've sometimes been able to turn a blind eye to it and just just muscle on. Um, but I think I've also been really fortunate that there's this movement of support for women entrepreneurs. There's a lot of programs. I was lucky enough to be in an EY program called Entrepreneurial Winning Women, um, hard to say, but it was actually a really interesting program where they take women-owned businesses and try to help them one with network, but also one with resources. And there's, you know, I know Goldman Sachs has a program. There's all different kinds of programs. So even though there are absolutely challenges, and I, I did face some of those, I also tried to avail myself of every opportunity for women's networks that I could also get a leg up. As we started this conversation, one of the central tenets of Swell is sustainability. How do you make sure that you keep that kind of core of the company going as you grow, as I'm sure people are, there's more and more opportunities that could make it harder to keep your footprint as green as it was when it started? That's a good question. You know, as we're growing, I'm really trying to make sure that we keep the mission in everything that we do. So one of the ways that we're growing right now is with our big corporate partner. It's not just about providing and selling swell bottles, but it's also thinking about our own internal initiative, which is called the Million Bottle Project, where we can show that for every 6,000 bottles that we sell that are out in the market, we've been able to displace a million single-use plastic bottles from being used. And so we're really trying to make sure that with everything that we do, whether it's you know a big partnership like Marriott or even something smaller that we're doing on our website, that we're either telling the message, but not just talking about it, making sure that we're having real impact at the same time. So talk about impact. UNICEF, you've had a partnership with them. What what has that been like? Walk us through that. Oh, UNICEF has been a fabulous partner. You know, we've worked with water charities really ever since the beginning. But what we're currently doing with UNICEF this year and next is we're bringing clean drinking water to 500,000 people in Madagascar. And we're bringing clean water, sanitation, and education. And what we found was Madagascar was one of the countries that UNICEF didn't have anyone working on water projects because it was just so hard to get to. But it was the fourth hardest hit when when it came to the water crisis. And so it does really turn into a women and girls issue because if you don't have clean drinking water, you're probably not going to have a vocation outside of the home as a woman. And there's a good chance you're going to drop out of school if you're a young girl, either to help the mom with water or just because you don't feel comfortable going to school because there's no bathrooms. And what we have found is that by bringing clean drinking water to the entire community, it actually has an outsized benefit for, for women and girls. Our customers love it. But what I didn't anticipate in starting the business was 
benefits, our employees also love it. Our employees like to be engaged with UNICEF or Project Red or the Breast Cancer Research Foundation. We even did something last year with the Girl Scouts. And I was so surprised that it wasn't just the women in the office, but it was actually the men in the office that might have had a strong sister or a daughter at home that they really wanted to spend time with the Girl Scouts when they were in the office. So I have to say that I I didn't expect that it was going to be outside of either what I cared about or what our customers cared about, but it's really part of the culture of the company as well that we do so much on the philanthropy side. When you talk about philanthropy, a lot of CEOs get involved in politics more in Washington. Where do you stand on that? Have, have you gotten involved in things or have you kind of kept that more in your private life? You know, I haven't gotten involved necessarily. Um, I can say that I did close the office during the election. I convinced my employees that if they showed me their voter ID card, they could take the day off to vote and then spend the rest of the day trying to do some type of community service or some type of volunteering. What I was surprised at is how many people didn't have a voter's ID card and how many went out and got it to get the day off. But I was really just trying to just take a stand and say, I don't care who you vote for or what you do, but this is a really important election and let's get out there and throw our weight around. Um, but I have to say that when I see um, when I see CEOs and leaders getting involved, I do appreciate it. I you know it's it's a bit of a a hard issue, and some people would rather say you know stick to your business. But I think you know we have a platform and we have a voice, and we are also humans. And if if we think that there's a chance that we can positively affect the world by by saying something and standing up. I am all about those either those individuals or those companies that are willing to put themselves out there to make the world a better place. I, if our leaders don't do it, we're all leaders now. And it's up to the businesses and it's up to the individuals to do so. So I could probably do more of it if I wasn't so in the, in the trenches of running my business. But I do really um, celebrate the ones that have. What's next? You've you kind of conquered the world of water bottles. You've done different colors. You've emblazoned them. You're still kind of on the high-end thing. Is there anything on the radar that we should be looking for as customers or people that are watching your company grow? Oh, sure. So we're doing three things. We're actually marketing for the first time. So up until now, we really haven't spent a lot of time or resources on telling the story. And what we've heard from our customers is they want to hear more from us. So we're actually going to get out there and start talking a little bit about the brand. Um, the second is that we're coming out with new products. So at holiday this year, this last year, we came out with travelers and tumblers, like wide mouth swell bottles, still triple walled stainless steel, hot and cold with our cool designs. But it's something maybe you would take um, in a more active setting or maybe even use for a, bar- a backyard barbecue. We're also coming out with a bunch of other new products and new shapes this year. But the third and final is just international expansion. Um, we haven't been very big outside the U.S. So we're currently in 65 countries, but for the most part, it's in a pretty small way. So um, we're really turning our attention to taking the brand and taking it to new people and new places. Well, great. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for your questions. All right. Women Rule is produced by Rena Flores. Dave Shaw is our executive producer, and our booker is Jessica Andrews. If you're a fan of the show and you listen on Apple Podcasts, do us a favor and leave a review. It helps new listeners find the show. We've also got a lot of great guests coming up. You don't want to miss any of those episodes, so hit that subscribe button, and thanks for listening. 